We start a new series uh, called David, a man after God's own heart. And uh, over the next few weeks leading up to just a small portion before Easter where we'll have an Easter series. But over the next um, four, four weeks or so, we're going to look at David and, and look at some glimpses of David's life. They're, they're going to be little snapshots as we just go through and we take some pictures and some 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 images of what David was like. Why was it that eventually at the end of his life, he was called a man after God's own heart? And I'm sure it's your desire and my desire that we would be a person after God's own heart. And so this morning is an introductory um, message as we come to the anointing of David and we're going to uh, look at look at this uh, this narrative. Uh, the focus is going to be a little bit more on what Samuel had to learn through this. But we are so familiar with this passage. And I trust that as we come to look at it, it will still be a great blessing and encouragement to you as we start. And so, 1 Samuel chapter 16, reading from 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and you'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes. In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, <coughs> The Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, Are all these the sons you have? There's still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ready with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. 
So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah, just so far in God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you'd come and just touch our hearts, that you'll come and just add your blessing, Lord, to the reading of the scripture this morning, this incredible account of what you were doing through uh, King David and, and Samuel, and that, that you had something amazing in store for your people through David. And so, Lord, as we try and understand over the next few weeks what it means to be a person after your own heart, we pray that you'll help us to understand these glimpses that we have in the Scriptures and lead us unto yourself. And so we commit this morning to you and pray that you'll add your blessing to our time together. We pray this in your name. Amen. Israel had wanted a king. Up until that time, they had the judges and they had the prophets, and God had used the judges and the prophets, and always in the Lord's eyes, he was their king. And eventually, when Samuel's sons didn't fit the bill, they just were rebellious and went their own way. The people kicked up a storm, and they wanted a, uh, they wanted a king, and they pleaded for a king. And we find that in chapter 8, um, the story of that taking place. And the Lord pointed out to Samuel. He said, well, give them a king. Listen to the people. But the Lord pointed out to Samuel that it wasn't the fact that they had rejected Samuel and his family. It was the fact that the people of Israel had rejected the Lord as their king, and therefore they wanted an earthly king. And so Saul was appointed, and in the beginning Saul looked like a great guy, and he did amazing things, but as we see as you read through the chapters, that Saul started to go his own way and started to do his own thing. In fact, in the chapter beforehand, a message from the Lord comes to Samuel um, to tell Saul and to rise up his army and to go and destroy the Melchites because of all that they had done when the people came into the promised lands. And the command is very clear to wipe them all out. But when Samuel goes and meets Saul after that battle, he's wiped out the people, but he's brought the king back and he's kept the best of the animals. And Samuel literally says, why do I hear the sound of bleating sheep? And Saul had disobeyed the Lord and it was that final straw that the Lord rejected Saul as king. And it's in the midst of this devastating news, it's in the midst of that that we open up chapter 16 and we find that God comes and speaks to Samuel. It's important for us to understand just this encounter with Samuel and what God was doing in Samuel's life because maybe you and I can glean some encouragement in the midst of Samuel's disappointment, God comes and speaks to Samuel. The opening verses of chapter 16 are this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul 
since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Samuel, how long are you going to sit in your misery? Samuel, how long are you going to sit in your disappointments? And Samuel had journeyed with the nation of Israel. He had been committed. His heart was sold out for the things of the Lord. Um, even in the disappointment of them wanting a king in the first place, Samuel had gone through that. And we know that Samuel, by this point, by the appointment of Saul even, just that, that time before, that Samuel was a very old man. And so in the midst of his disappointment, God comes and says to Samuel, How long will you mourn? For Saul, since I have rejected him. And Samuel, having a heart for the Lord, was deeply grieved by Saul's disobedience and deeply grieved by Saul's rejection as king over Israel. But in the midst of this, God calls Samuel to arise out of his misery. To rise out of his mourning. Says Samuel how long will you mourn? There's a, there's a calling for Samuel to get up. Come out of it Samuel. Lift yourself up. Don't mourn any longer. How long will you mourn? Come on come out of it. Get up. Are we called sometimes to arise out of our disappointment? Sometimes life can throw a hard blow, can't it? And maybe the lesson, just as God comes to Samuel and calls him up out of his disappointment, because God has got much greater plans, much greater things in store for what's going to take place. And so perhaps for you and I, if in life, when, when there's disappointment, when there's hardship, and we sit in that place of mourning, and sit in that place of wallowing, we need to be called up and to rise up as God came to Samuel and says, how long are you going to be miserable about this? Get up and get on with it. God says to Samuel, he says, fill your horn with oil. Fill your horn with oil. The, the horn, the animal horn in, in ancient Israel, such a beautiful symbol. It was used very practically to, to carry oil and to carry water, some kind of, um, if you needed some for refreshment along the way, and the horn was hollowed out and you could put a stop on either end and, and close it off and carry something. So certainly they would carry oil in these big animal horns. We also know that it's, also, it's kind of known as a shofar, and they would blow the horn, and it would make a sound like a, like a trumpet. The closest thing we have um, in South Africa is something called a vuvuzela, and it might, you just blow through that thing, and it makes a loud noise. They would play, they would blow those at the football matches. It's kind of maybe something very similar to that shofar, just this is made out of an animal horn, and so it's significant from that perspective it's a sign of it's a sign of strength and we know when we see the picture of the altar that was fashioned and the ark of the covenant the horns were placed on each corner of them and it's 
it's a very important symbol. And so when God comes and He says to Saul, fill your horn with oil. It's interesting when you go back a few chapters when Samuel anointed Saul, he didn't use a horn of oil. It was a small flask of maybe some ceramic jar that he had a small amount of oil. And God is now saying to Samuel, don't just take a small amount of oil. Fill your horn with oil. Fill it up. Fill it up. Rise up from your misery. Fill your horn with oil. Because I'm going to do great and marvelous things. And Samuel had to physically in faith fill the the horn with oil. In faith because of what God was promising to do in these circumstances. God said to him, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of of his sons to be king. In the midst of Samuel's disappointment and devastation about Saul being rejected and Saul being rebellious, God is coming to Samuel and saying, I have a plan. Fill your horn with oil and get ready. Maybe another lesson on this is for us to fill ourselves with all that God has promised and not fill ourselves with the disappointment of our circumstances that we can face. To fill ourselves with the promises of God. To fill ourselves with all that He is. Fill ourselves with the strength of who God is. As this horn represented the strength of something strong and something important in the culture of the Israelite people. And in this case, the oil represented the anointing of David, the fulfillment of a much greater plan that was going to be a part of the lineage of Jesus. That through Israel, salvation was going to come, not just to Israel, but to the world. Isn't this amazing? Can you imagine Samuel having... I don't think he had the picture of that, but can you imagine if Samuel was able to look back and see in those, the midst of his devastation, in the midst of his mourning, to, to stand up and recognize, wow, God is going to do something important, not just for the immediate situation in Israel, but for eternity. What an amazing picture. The third thing, that Samuel had to do in the midst of this was to get up and go. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. And the going here was very clearly directed. He didn't just say to Samuel, go and choose somebody. Go and look through all this Nice strong young men in Israel, go and find a king. The message to Samuel was very clear. So Samuel, go to Jesse's house. I've chosen one of his sons. It's not some vague going. It's not just some um, misdirection and just, well, Samuel, if you come across somebody along the way. No, says Samuel, go to Jesse's house. And I've chosen one of his sons. Listen to what Samuel says. 
how can I go? How can I go? Saul will hear about it. And as we go through the life of David, we see that Saul was filled with an evil spirit and he became very obsessive and very jealous about his position as king, so much so that he had all those, for all that long period of time, pursued David and tried to kill him. And so Samuel was perhaps not unjustified in being a little bit fearful in these circumstances. Saul will hear about it and kill me. And the Lord said to Samuel, take a hypho with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. Verse 4 says this, Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled because the great prophet Samuel. Samuel at this point, by the way, um, since the appointment of Saul, had been out of public ministry. He had gone into a place of, I don't know if the retirement is the right word, but he had not availed himself to public ministry. And so this is the first time in probably a long time that Samuel went publicly, publicly to do something. And all of a sudden, the elders of the city or the town of Bethlehem trembled. And they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel, do you come in peace? Or Samuel, do you have a terrifying word for us? Samuel replied, yes. In peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. It's interesting in the midst of this that God called Samuel out of his misery, told him to fill his horn with oil, and gave him some very specific directions. We find Samuel in his old age, in the midst of his disappointment, getting up and going in faith because God is going to do something greater. As we read through the narrative, we see another important lesson for Samuel. A lesson in the fact that God doesn't always work in the ways that he expected him to work. And what seems obvious to Samuel is not the solution. And perhaps for you and I, as God raises us up out of our disappointment, tells us to take steps of faith, and we go along life, and sometimes we think that this is the obvious solution Perhaps God's solutions aren't our solutions. And it certainly was the case here with Samuel. Verse 5, Samuel replied, Yes, in peace I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Notice that it says, and his sons, yet there was still one son who was not included or not even considered a part of this process. Even at this point, nobody bothered to call David in from the fields to come and take part in the sacrifices. He wasn't important enough. He wasn't old enough. He wasn't qualified enough. And so he was left out in the fields. And only the other six sons were considered Verse 6 says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before 
the Lord. So they start the process and, and go as they gather together and do what they are doing. And now it comes for Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel. And here comes this young man as he comes and he steps forward in front of Samuel. He is the strapping big young man with all the qualifications that a king could possibly have. And Samuel in his heart says, surely <coughs> this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the one who stands before the Lord today. But God had other plans. It's very interesting what we find God says to Samuel in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. God knew exactly what Samuel was thinking. God knew what Samuel's measure was. God knew that Samuel as a man was looking at the outward appearance and looking at the apparent qualifications of this man Eliab before him. And Samuel would have thought, this is going to be a great king. Thank you, Lord. And God says to him, no, Samuel. Don't look at his height and don't look at his appearance. For I have rejected him. I'm going to find out why he's been rejected. God does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Friends, that's why God has not called us into empty outward religion. Many have made Christianity outward religion. God has not called us into that because God sees the heart and not just the outward acts. God saw more than just a great appearance. God saw more than just the so-called qualifications of some of Jesse's sons on that occasion. We see that the, the next five went by and the Lord rejected all five of Jesse's sons. And the reason being is that God saw into their hearts. God saw their motives. God saw what was really they were really made of inside. Did God really have their whole heart? Did God really have their commitment? Or was there still corners of their hearts that didn't were never going to belong to God? And so there's a lesson here for Samuel as he looks and thinks he sees the solution. But God reveals to, Je to Samuel that he looks at the heart and not the outward appearance. And the narrative is so wonderful here. It tells us that one by one Jesse's sons came in front of Samuel. And in each time the Lord had rejected each of those sons. The Lord would have spoken to Samuel on every occasion. Maybe Samuel might have thought, well, maybe it's the next one, and maybe it's the next one. And all of a sudden, there's no more sons to come out. They've all gone past. They've all been rejected. And I wonder what Samuel was thinking. Lord, you've called me here to anoint the next king of Israel, but there's no more to anoint. Desperation 
perhaps Dan, Samuel asks this question, are these all the sons you have? Because God would not have made a mistake. Jesse, you've brought six sons here, but are these all your sons? Because the Lord has rejected every single one of them, and he's, come, he's told me to come here to anoint one of your sons. How is this possible? Is there not any more? We noted a little bit earlier that when it was time to cleanse for the sacrifice, that Jesse's sons were, Samuel consecrated them. And yet nobody had bothered about David out in the fields. Jesse's response to Samuel's is there, <coughs> is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Can you, can you just get this picture? You see this picture of this, this big, fine young man sitting to one side. They've all been rejected. They've all prepared. They've all got ready for this event. They would have been dressed and cleaned up and hair straightened out. And here this youngster is out in the field, and he's caught in, and he would have possibly come in immediately after a day's working out in the fields with the sheep. David would have come in dirty, perhaps scruffy, not in his best clothes, and maybe even smelling like the sheep. Here comes this young boy, and he's hurried in, in front of Samuel. And God says to this, about this most unlikely candidate, he is the one. He is the one. The Bible tells us that he was ready with a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord says, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And we know, and as we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get glimpses and we're going to understand and know the character of David a little bit. We're going to know and understand that David was no not by any means perfect, and David sinned and made mistakes. But yet, in the midst of David, there was a heart after God. And God sought David's heart, even at that young age. And may we have a heart for God like David had. Samuel had to learn some hard lessons, didn't he? He had to rise up out of his misery. He had to step forth in obedience and he had to go and even anoint the most unlikely candidate. Lord, why have you chosen the small scruffy boy where you have all these fine six gentlemen in front of you? God saw the heart of David. God saw the hearts of the others. And maybe the overall message here in this narrative for us this morning is that God sees the heart. Isn't that encouraging? It's an encouragement. It's also a challenge. Because on the outward, we can be perfect. On the outward, we can put forward, as Casting Crowns puts, puts it in, 
one of those songs, a stained glass masquerade. We can be perfect on the outside, but the challenge in this message, once again, is that God knows and he sees our hearts. It's a lesson that Samuel had to learn, that God looks into the hearts of those young men. He said, that's the one. It's a lesson, perhaps, even that young David had to learn. He says, why me? Here's the message. David, I see your heart. For you and I today, God sees our hearts. God sees and he knows our hearts. And perhaps another lesson that God chooses the unlikely. God chooses sometimes the least obvious. As that young David was chosen to become king of Israel and ultimately known as great Israel's greatest, greatest king. Friends, this morning for you and I as we take some practical application and just something away with us today. Be reminded that God knows your heart. God knows my heart. Be reminded that God has chosen us. Just like David was chosen for his purpose. And if you find yourself in Christ today, and you know him as Lord and Savior, you know that you are chosen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people. And if God can take the most unlikely shepherd boy, right in complexion and smelling like sheep, and make him king. If you and I are chosen, isn't it amazing what God can do through you and I, despite ourselves? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Isn't it amazing as Peter writes? To those churches, those Gentile churches in Asia Minor, and he calls them his own, his people. Isn't that wonderful? And for you and I, as we sit so far away from those ancient times and so many years down the line, that we are called his people and chosen of him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the word today, for this Old Testament narrative that has power, that has implications for our lives as we unpack it and we understand it. Lord, thank you that in the midst of that, that you called Samuel out of his misery, out of his mourning, and a message for Samuel in his disappointment that you have a plan and a purpose, that you are going to do greater and mightier things that you were about to put a plan into place that would lead to your son, Jesus Christ, coming to earth and paying the ultimate sacrifice to make way for those who would believe in him. Thank you that in the midst of that, you chose David to be a part of that lineage, to be a part of your relationship with your people in ancient Israel, 
to be a part of those things that you did and that we can look back and see how mightily you used and worked through David. Help us to be people after God's own heart. And over the next couple of weeks, as we unpack and we have glimpses of who David was, help us to reflect and to learn from those examples to the glory and to the honor of your name. Lord, help us to be reminded today that we are a chosen people, that even despite ourselves, we may feel like that little shepherd boy, insignificant, and yet we are chosen of you. Help us to understand who we are in Christ, to the glory and to the honor of your most holy name. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.